been a while since we talked to our friend John Rakoski of the Tribune Democrat. John is kind of the guy who uh, wears many different hats in this region with what he does, his exciting work at the Tribune Democrat. As we welcome our friend John Rakoski. JR, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, Bo. Glad to be here. As I said, you are the guy, the super utility guy here at the Tribune Democrat, and uh, currently in the process of some pretty exciting high school basketball. It's been an interesting couple of weeks, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the playoffs, the state playoffs especially, are, are a lot of fun. And it's uh, fun chasing these teams deep into the playoffs, and uh, we're fortunate enough to have uh, multiple teams in the running this year. Yeah. Uh, we have two left. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wish them well. Absolutely. And I, I got to tell you, you know, before we get into those two teams, but uh, just a big congratulations to uh, all the teams that advanced and, and had a successful run. Uh, where I live in Winbur, John, um, uh, historic run for the Winbur girls, a, a disappointing loss last Friday in a very close game. But there was a lot of heartbreakers. My alma mater, Johnstown boys, were in a heartbreaker. And there's just been some really good basketball of late. I agree. The Johnstown game came down to a shot at the buzzer. And uh, just the the way they came from behind, I think they were down 13 points. And uh, they were just, uh, you know, everyone on the Johnstown bench was, was just so dejected. And mm. it, it looked like a loss. And and they, they crept back, and uh, Uzziah went to the line and, and hit two free throws and put them up by a point with two seconds left. And uh, the male kid mm. uh, from Hickory mm-hmm. just hit a three-pointer with two Johnstown guys on him. Uh, he composed himself and took the shot, and you know their season came down to that, that one shot, both teams, and you know a lot of those Johnstown kids were were seniors and mm-hmm. uh you know that's their their high school career came down to that mm-hmm. one second while that ball was floating in the air and it was uh it was just heartbreaking for them yeah. uh, oh but, yeah uh, that's high school ball and last night we uh Mastovich and i were at uh at the forest hills game out at mohawk mm-hmm. and uh you know to see these teams take a loss and to see them weeping and and so dejected it they I think it takes them a few days to step back and look at yeah. the big picture because the the fact that they made it that far, uh, both programs to go that deep, and and Corey and his girls up there at Wimber, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such an accomplishment, and the competition is fierce. Yeah. And uh, to make it that far is something to to really be proud of, and they will look back upon that the rest of their lives. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing to cry about. No. Uh, seen it multiple times there's really nothing to cry about too uh everybody knows you want to go deeper and go to the next step and of course go the whole way to hershey and win mm-hmm. very 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 few teams in fact in my 32 years i've never covered a winning team mm. in hershey mm. you know the heartbreak you know and i just had this conversation with my nephew cooper warshall who okay. uh, just finished sixth in the states in uh, wrestling in his um uh mm-hmm. division for the state and just how dejected that he was to make it all that way to Hershey where everybody's so charged up. And, you know, again, the conversation I had with him was just think every kid that went to that tournament at Hershey had the same expectation, and everybody right. goes home heartbroken. Give this a couple days. 
you have something, you know, finishing sixth in the state in a big state like Pennsylvania is pretty remarkable. Same thing goes really these wrestlers as it does to, the, to these basketball teams. And every team that you mentioned so far should be very proud of what they've done. Absolutely. And with wrestling, it's, it's such a one-on-one sport, even though, you know, you're part of a team. And then, then of course, when you get down to the state wrestling championship, uh, it, it is per- it's very, very personal and individual. So, to, to carry that uh, that personal loss uh, is tough to take that. Uh, uh, I've seen it m- many, many times. But, uh, yeah, they have to step back and say, look, I, I made it to the States, and that is a huge accomplishment mm-hmm. considering how many kids wrestle a certain weight class in certain divisions. Uh, it's a huge accomplishment, something to be very, very proud of. Yeah. And, and I'm lucky enough to have a, a ringside seat, so to speak, to to witness all this and and feel like you're a part of it, Mike Mastovich and I usually are going to all these games, and it's a privilege. Mm. It really is to cover these teams and see them get this far. Yeah, and it hurts to see them um, so dejected when they lose. But somebody has to lose, and and well, most of them lose. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's only one winner. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. There's only one winner. And as we speak, and just for the record here, just so everybody knows that uh, uh, John and I are. are uh, taping this conversation here on a, um, uh, a Tuesday morning. As of right now, uh, two teams that are left that may not be the case um, when we air this uh, Wednesday. But um, that Berlin boys team, my goodness. I remember Mike telling me about them taking on the Johnstown Trojans. First of all, um, it's amazing that they scheduled a game with Johnstown. And the fact that they beat them, you know, at uh, the Doc Stofko gym, pretty amazing stuff. This Berlin boys group is a pretty special group, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And and Ryan's team at Johnstown was, was just very talented. Uh, they really clicked well. They were fun to watch. And they're quad A. Mm-hmm. And for the Berlin boys, single A to come up there and beat them. I was at that game and I've covered these boys uh, four or five times this year and boy, they really click. They're, they're a good team, a bunch of good shooters. They get the rebounds. Uh, Abe Countryman in the middle, he's a tall kid, so he's reaching up and grabbing the rebounds, putting it back in the in the bucket and, uh, you know, uh, the Seckler, uh, you know, uh, Spokehart, just, just a, uh, a bunch of good kids. There's not a there's not a slouch on that team, you know. There, yeah. Banner's got a really strong team there, and we knew uh, from the start that they would go probably all the way. And a lot of those kids were on that team last year, mm-hmm. uh, so they they have a really good shot at it. We have the Portage Boys tonight uh, in uh, Coriopolis. Um, Our Lady of the Sacred Heart, I believe, they're playing. So uh, mm-hmm. we, we're. Wishing them well, but uh, when this runs tomorrow morning, it uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, we really hope uh, hope we have two teams by the time people are listening to our voices right now. So that's pretty good stuff, John. And and um, also, I have to tell you that uh, some of the uh, photography that I've seen from these games, or, or actually, John, sports photography in general, um, you get to capture some really interesting intense stories whenever you take some pictures of the joy the jubilation and also the heartbreak um there's nothing better than sports photography as far as i'm concerned 
Yeah, it's a lot of fun to cover. And uh, with the autofocus systems today, it's hard to, to take a bad photo. Yeah. Uh, you know, back to 20, 25, 30 years ago, we used to have to manually focus everything. And, uh, you know, the highest speed film we had was 1600 and, and all the gyms were dark. And mm-hmm. it was a real challenge and it's gotten exponentially easier today yeah. uh, to get better photos. Um so, but I have a system. I, I shoot the first half usually, and, and I upload and edit and write all my captions and get everything ready because we're on such a tight deadline mm-hmm. when these games start at seven, seven thirty sometimes. And then uh, I just stay in the gym, and that way I can uh, stay right till the end and go down and, and get a reaction shot one way or, or another. And it seems to be a good system. It's worked for me for the last two years, but it's certainly gotten easier to take better pictures because the, the equipment that we have today. Is, much much easier yeah oh it's awesome good stuff we're talking to john rakoski of uh, the tribune democrat not only some some great picks of of late but you've written some pretty interesting things over the last couple of weeks and one that really i couldn't wait to talk to you about was your story about some local train enthusiasts um people can be pretty passionate when it comes to local history and that includes passions about rail within this region too, wouldn't you say? Oh my God, yes, yeah. Trains uh, strike a strike a chord with people. There's there's no doubt about it. There's something about trains, you know. We uh, well, I found myself when I wrote that story actually googling like the, the psychology of of attraction to trains. And uh, it's it's pretty interesting, hmm. you know. You could take any scene, any country scene, or even a cityscape, and uh, if you add a train to that scene, it just makes it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike a highway or or even people, but there's something about a train. And uh, I got that story on a tip from my friend Phil Andrejcik, who's a, a great photographer from from Lily. Yeah. And uh, he connected me with the, the folks that had the the bed and breakfast is in, in uh, Galitzin and Cassandra and uh, Crescent. Yeah. And uh, we found that uh, there was a lot of people that <laughs> yeah. more than you think that, that are interested in standing alongside a railroad track in, in 10 degree weather. And uh, I remember one night I was heading up to Portage actually to cover a basketball game. And I had an extra half hour and I was working on a train story and I thought, Oh, I'll swing by South Fork and see if anybody's out taking photos of the train. And I kind of wanted a photo of a train myself for the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about 12 or 15 degrees. Uh, it was cold. And <laughs> I saw two guys standing, uh, you know, up on a hillside in South Fork looking down on the railroad tracks. And I, I didn't know what, why they were there. And then I, from a distance, you know, and then I saw tripod legs. And I thought, I can't believe this is happening. I drove up and I got out of the car and one guy was from upstate New York. Another guy was from Massachusetts. They gave me a great video and a train came by and we all got photos. And uh, the one thing I noticed uh, is is there's no place for these people to stand. Uh, There's no, you know, like Camtran booths for them to get out of the wind uh, to take photos of trains. And and, uh, I saw that in many locations in Summer Hill and and uh, there's there's places at the B and B's like the one in in Galitzin has a back porch with a fireplace and everything. Bob Elder's great guy. Yeah, uh, he accommodates his guests in that way. He's right outside the tunnel, so you could hang out on his deck. And when a train comes by, you just pick up your camera and you know, yeah, there's a little wood stove there. It's it's, it's awesome. 
But I, I think these people need to be accommodated, and they're coming from all over to hmm. watch trains here. So Crazy. awesome. There was that image also that you had of that man, um, you know, and I, I, I didn't get his name. I can't remember what it was, but I think he was about 90 and it just showed just how passionate. I just love the way that, you know, rail ties in the history of this region, you know, about how, how important that it was to the success of the economy here, how that tied together the mills and also tied together the mines as well. But, you know, trains are an important part of this history, and I, I just love that piece, John. Thank you. Yeah, that's Tom up in Creston, and uh, again, he's someone from out of town, just like Bob Elder and Galitzin. These guys are from out of town. They came here. They were attracted here by the rail system, and they ended up buying a building and starting bed and breakfasts, and they're always busy, usually in, in nice weather, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, uh, the Portage Railroad started it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that the Pennsylvania Canal system, they had to get over that hump, that 36-mile hump between Hollidaysburg and Johnstown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the Portage Railroad was very, very unique and it worked for about 20 years until uh, someone invented a locomotive that was powerful enough to, to pull cars up the grade and then the PRR took over mm-hmm. and the rest was history. That's just awesome. John Rukoski, the Tribune Democrat, joining us. Another uh, piece that you uh, recently wrote about, too. Um, this is really interesting to me, but as someone that loves nature, as somebody that married into a family that's all about wildlife, um, the story about the owl, the snow owl at Seven Springs, I'm sure there's people out there, John, that aren't aware of this, but I find this really interesting. Can you explain what that was all about? Yeah, it's actually a delicate situation. Uh, That owl was displaced uh, from its home. Uh, Veterinarian Jeff Payne from from Berlin uh, was in contact in that story. Mm -hmm. Uh, That owl is very, very far from home. It is from the Arctic Circle, and it is much farther south than it should be. Mm. Uh, But one day I'm a steer, and uh, I'd like to go to Seven Springs uh, once or twice, sometimes three times a week in the mornings and uh i was on a chairlift on north face and with a friend of mine and we looked and we saw this lump in the snow and it it was an owl and not only an owl it's a snowy owl mm-hmm. uh, they don't perch in trees because there are no trees where they're from and it's not afraid of people because there's no people where it's from so wow. it has no natural yeah. any fear of people so there's this owl probably 15 inches tall but as a young female they get much bigger uh with, uh, with fur on its feet, all white with brown stripes, yellow eyes. It's a beautiful bird. And uh, about 100 feet off the, the ski trail, and people were stopping and taking photos. And I'm trying to get a video of it and take photos of it with my cell phone. And I called my contact, Alex Moser, at the Seven Springs, and he filled me in mm-hmm. that, that this owl has been hanging around the resort since late December or early January. And it's been spotted so many times that people thought there were two mm-hmm. and um still not sure that's the case uh any day now that owl could be heading home uh, i was down there skiing on sunday morning and someone said they had seen it yeah so uh it's getting kind of late but jeff Payne's concern was that 
you know, it keeps being disturbed and people keep going over to it and trying to take its photo, trying to get video. I've seen people come off their skis and crawl up to it as though the owl can't see them. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, try and get as close as possible and flush it. Yeah. And every time they flush it, that bird is, is using its energy reserves, its fat reserves, to get thousands of miles back home. Yeah. So, you know, it, when a bird is displaced that far south out of its native area, it, the chances are it's probably not going to make it back. Right. And then when it has to expend its, its fat reserves, you're, um, you know, it's even more so that it's probably not going to make it back. So mm-hmm. we're, we're really hoping that that owl... Um, you know, makes it back home because it, it should be heading home any day now. You know, it's interesting. My uh, in-laws, um, um, Dr. Uh, Tom Dick, a former veterinarian in, in this region um, who now lives in, in Chincoteague right next to a bird uh, sanctuary yeah. area there. But you get to see the paths of all these birds, you know, uh, how they travel, the yearly flow, and it's it's interesting how a a snowy owl ends up here because it just doesn't happen. And I know that uh, Dr. Payne had said that it had been at least a decade or so, right, since any bird like that has been in this region. Yeah, there have been. Uh unconfirmed sightings but i think it's been since 2008 i think is what he told wow. me since the last snowy owl was around here yeah. i believe that was in someone's driveway up in uh fallen timber or somewhere up. i do recall yeah. that people well. talking about it and uh it didn't stick around longer people had trouble finding it but uh, they didn't want to draw too much attention to this owl mm. and 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 you know it's harry potter's house so yeah when, yeah it's it's more famous now, and it has no idea why. But you know these people, for that reason, want to get closer to it. So yeah. But since it's on private property at Seven Springs, you know it's not like you can just walk out onto the ski slope with a with a camera lens it with your birding group or something. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I did a story on birds last spring. It was very interesting. Laura Jackson was my main contact mm. in that story from Bedford. Mm. Another friend, and, yeah. Uh, she, yeah. Yeah, she's president of like five or six different clubs. I mean, she really knows her birds and whenever right. I take a photo of a bird, I always email it to her to, to double check and of course she'll tell me it's a you know, a, a juvenile or a female or so forth and uh really knows her stuff. That that was very, very interesting. There's the amount of birds that we have coming through this area, uh unless you have a bird feeder, you don't notice but I remember her explaining to me that some of those birds, most of them that you'll see in May and June, they're coming from Central America. They're coming from the jungles, mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. maybe Honduras, Panama. In some cases, they're coming from the, the South American continent, and they're flying the entire way across the Gulf of Mexico without break, mm-hmm. and they're working their way back up north. And, uh, you know, they're from the jungle. There's, there's competition for food, which is what drove the owl down here. Yeah. Uh, common theory there the competition it was a good year for lemmings apparently and and the snowy owl was pushed, pushed out of its area because of food competition yeah and uh that's that's usually the case that's the theory and a lot of these birds die in migration it, it's sad but right. there's always other ones the young that, that follow up and 
follow the same migration patterns. Well, I am certainly pulling for this bird because it's a it's real. I mean, it's a fascinating story, and uh, you know, I hope that all works out. Um, but it's been it's been a very interesting. It's been an interesting experience for many people who are out at Seven Springs right now, or just you know surprised whenever they see this as they're skiing along a slope. Like, whoa, what's oh, yeah. this? <laughs> yeah, it's unreal. I mean, even a great horned owl or a barred owl or something like that would catch your attention. But yeah. To see such a, a rare breed, you know, and, and sitting in the middle of the snow like that, and and uh, yeah. not in a tree, and we we all thought something was wrong with it. Mm. We, we we thought that uh, that it had been injured or something. Well, why why is it sitting out in the snow? But that's yeah. what they did. That's fascinating, John Rakowski. Last couple minutes here, uh, Tribune Democrat. Hey, one last thing, John. The uh, pictures that you did working with Dave Souter with um, Russ uh, Shorto, uh, who who was a recent guest here. You know, as we talk about the history of rail within the region, also anything historical about this area takes some real interest. But you guys did some did some great work together. Um, Russ Shorto was just a fascinating guy to talk to and talking about the history of this region. Yes, he is. And uh, Mike Masovich and I were out on the road last night to, uh, to the Forest Hills game, and we were talking about that book. Uh, Mike's knee-deep into it. I have not picked it up yet. Yeah. It's on my list of I three. haven't either, yeah. But it, it's really grown legs. I mean, it's really taken off. And I have people from out of town, relatives and friends, who are asking me about this book and, and asking me about Russell and it's uh, it sounds very fascinating. Yeah, the politics, uh, the way, the good old boy system, and the the mafia, the mob, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, nothing but great reviews about that. And uh, I, I'm, you know, again, you know, whenever we talk about the history of this region and we romanticize about the way things were, man puts me it it makes me wish that i was around back in the 1940s and 1950s when all this stuff was happening you know it's just it's yeah. just some good good stuff good stuff yeah streetcars too yeah absolutely man i love those old pics they're fantastic well if anybody wants to reach out to you john uh with uh, any stories i ideas or anything what would you advise they do oh they can always email me at, at jrukowski at com. Uh, or they can call the uh, the photo department and I'll mm-hmm. get the message. But uh, I'm always open to new ideas. Yeah. I have a few things in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. you know, and it, it could be anything. That, um, luckily, I, I get to write features, and uh, I still haven't been asked to go to a school board meeting or a water authority or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, yeah. it's it's fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's pretty exciting. And... Uh, you know, as I stated, like these last couple of weeks have really piqued my curiosity and couldn't wait to talk to you about these things. Hey, as always, really, really appreciate your time. I know how busy you are, so keep keep doing the great yeah, work you're thanks doing. For, thanks, Bo. Thanks for having me on again. Sure great thing. Great talking to you.